On this episode of The Grizz Podcast, I interview a man whom I've grown to respect and appreciate over the last year and a half. His name is Chad Wright, and I am grateful to call him a friend and a brother from another mother. First and foremost, Chad is a warrior for Christ who is fighting every day to be a better man and to make a godly impact upon this jacked up world that we're living in. He is also a husband to his wife, Brooke. They live in North Georgia. And Chad is also a former Navy SEAL and a former SEAL team instructor. He is also an elite ultra runner, one of the best in the country. And he is also the co-founder of the 3 of 7 Project and the 3 of 7 Podcast. Chad has a fascinating story, guys. This is a longer episode, about an hour and 20 minutes or so, so you may want to break it up, listen to half of it today, pause it, and come back for the second half tomorrow, because I promise you the second half is even better than the first half, and the first half is really, really good. Man, we talk about numerous things. We talk about the challenges of Chad's upbringing. We talk about what led him to try out for the Navy SEALs. We talk about Um, a huge unforeseen obstacle that tried to prevent him from achieving his goal of becoming a Navy SEAL and how he dealt with that. We talk about the reality of spiritual warfare and how that actually led Chad to become a Christian. And then we talk about the number one reason why people quit when things get extremely difficult. Then we talk about like the incredible connection between the mind, the body, the spirit. And we also talk about the power of the words that we speak, not just in our mind, but out loud and do much more. There's more, there's more, there's more good, good stuff. My brothers, you are in for one of our best episodes ever. I have no doubt that this is going to encourage you, convict you, challenge you, make you laugh a little bit, and motivate you to step up and man up. So here we go. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Grizz Podcast, where our mission is to help boys become men and to help men become better men. It's going to be raw. It's going to be real, and it's going to be relevant. Now, here's your host, Jason George. I'm your huckleberry. Chad Wright, man, welcome to the Grizz Podcast. Jason, I'm glad to be here, man. You you don't know it yet, but this podcast has a special meaning to me right (laughs) off the bat. That's why I said, that's why I said yes to the Grizz Podcast, dude. Dude, tell me all about it. All right. All right. It, it may sound simple, but when I was growing up, um, dude, we were, dude, we were redneck growing <laughs> up. We lived off a little gravel road called Red Mountain Road in the middle of the mountains of Northwest Georgia. And, um, and dude, we, we shot squirrels off the front porch. We, dude, we, like, we were in the mix. And my father, Everyone called him Grizz, including us. That was his nickname. That was my father's nickname no for way. my entire life growing up. So when I saw you call this the Grizz podcast, I was like, I gotta go, I gotta go on this show, man. Dude, that is awesome, man. Like what what was the reason for that? 
Yeah, you know, my dad, he was he was just kind of a a big a bigger dude, kind of a burly dude. I mean, he's got a big upper body and and he was, you know, back then we we were all kids and he was kind of like he was the old bull of the house, you know what I mean? Yeah, I and, love it. Uh, and so that's the, he just somehow wound up with with the nickname the Grizz, but man, that <laughs> it, it always just it brought back memories to to when we were kids coming up. So pretty cool, man. That's cool, man. That's that's what I call divine intervention. It's meant to be, brother. Totally, man. Totally, no doubt, man. Cool. Well, give us a little bit of background. I mean, were you raised? in a christian home uh tell us a little about mom and dad coming up in the country what was that like yeah you know i, I would say more or less i was raised in a um in a christian community uh you know down south where i grew up it's um there's a church on every every corner uh it's very 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 christian uh but one thing about that uh southern Christian people don't do a good job a lot of times at at getting to the heart of the gospel. Uh, it's very legalistic, very judgmental. Uh, in a lot of ways, um, it's boring. Uh, Christianity is boring in a lot of places in the South. It's just, uh, and so it's not something that's, that, that was very attractive. In, in the home, you know, coming up through my teenage years, my 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 family, uh, being my, my mother and father, they they really uh, strayed off on a on a on a terrible path, a, a terribly sinful, just just really evil path, um, and that was kind of um, all that was going on in the background, kind of in secret. You know, I mean. Mm. It, it, sin loves darkness, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so we were insulated from it in a way. What was actually happening uh, in in the home and in the family, we were insulated from it. But um, quite obviously, there wasn't a lot of talk about Jesus and 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 uh, and the gospel and forgiveness and and light in my home when I was growing up. Um, so that's kind of where it was at, man. Yeah. As unfortunate as that sounds, it was a, it was a, it was a bad time. It didn't feel like a bad time because again, we were insulated from it, Right. but it was a bad time, man. Yeah. 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 I came from a, a similar background with, uh, yeah, we went to church growing up, but, uh, dysfunction is an understatement with what was going on in the home and a lot of hypocrisy. Things were pretty dark and, um, probably about 11th grade, man, was when God really grabbed a hold of me in a chapel service. And tell us about that time in your life. When was it when you feel like God really got a hold of you, the gospel was clear, and you were like, man, I need to give my life to Christ? Yeah, you know, so many of us, um, I, I think so many of us have have that moment in our lives, and, and I definitely do too. It's It's... <clears throat> For me, it was the moment, I guess the best way to describe it, I had to get to a point where I recognized my need for Christ. Mm. I recognized my need for uh, Jesus and what he said, who he said he is and what he did for us. Mm. And, um, and so for me, the stuff at home 
uh, kind of probably about my after I was probably I was on my first de- no I was I was in training to get I was getting ready for my first deployment in the SEAL teams so I was in my early 20s the stuff at home blew up everything blew up back home it, it just fell apart all, all the stuff that was happening came to the surface mm. and uh and it just everything was falling apart back home um I didn't that that in a way I blocked a lot of that out uh it's a survival mechanism as a seal you you can't be concerned about what is happening in other people's lives and other people's emotions because you have to stay focused or you will get you'll get killed mm. doing the job that you're doing um so all that was blowing up back home I I went uh, I went went ahead and went on deployment and uh, I got about halfway through that deployment and I was staying in this building with me. It was me and four other dudes and SEALs, right? And the I don't know any other way to put it other than this place was in, was infested by a demon or demons. Mm. I don't know which, I don't know how many there were, if it was just one single thing. But um, I mean, I remember in this place, I was laying in bed and uh, we're overseas and something initially something hit my door in, in the, it was, you know, nighttime, something hit my door and jolted me awake. And, uh, and when I woke up, I could hear voices, um, very hard to describe, almost like singing voices up and down, echoing up and down the hallway of this place. <clears throat> and I thought, Man, that's really weird. Uh, that one of my buddies must be up, or somebody must have came up in here. So I got up out of my bed, obviously. Um, checked my buddy that was staying in the room with me. He was dead asleep. Opened the door. Uh, the other two guys were laying were in a room right across the hallway. I opened their door, peeked in their room. They're all passed out. The hallway's clear. But this crap freaked me out, dude. I was like, uh, uh, that was weird. And, um, so I didn't say nothing about it. Well, night after night, after night, uh, things would, things would happen. Bumps in the night, things would move around, um, lights. I mean, the whole nine, dude, you, you name it. It it was just, uh, really tangible things that you could see and hear and feel happening around you. And the other guys were experiencing the same things happening to them and hearing the same things and and really what was even worse than that was there was this feeling of oppression and fear Mm. so like i remember walking in this place man and there was a stairwell because we were staying we were staying on the second deck and the stairwell went up and then it had a little landing and then it cut back on itself and went up another flight and there was a landing at the top and I remember walking up that that first set of stairs and I just I could feel some like something this thing was watching me and it was bearing down on me and I was so afraid mm. to turn around and look up at the at the top of that stairwell cuz I just knew whatever this thing was was going to be there um and I was going to have to see it face to face and I didn't want to it it had that much control over me and also the guys that I was with. Anything that causes, y- y'all listen to this, anything that causes fear 
is not of God. Mm. Anything that's causes fear and contention and strife and, and it is not of God. And, um, I didn't know what was happening, but after about, about a week and a half of this week, week and a half, all of us were sleeping in the same room together. So you had four Navy SEALs sleeping in the same room together because we were freaked out. We didn't know what to do. We couldn't operate. We could barely sleep. Uh, we couldn't get work done. So finally, I called my little brother back stateside because I knew he was a Christian. My little brother, Blake Wright, my business partner now, he's the best out of the whole bunch. The whole Wright family, he's the best out of the whole bunch. Yeah, I really like and, him. Um, yeah, I called him up and I said, uh, hey, man, I don't know what is going on here. I don't understand it. But I knew it had something to do with the spiritual realm, obviously. Um, and so he put me in touch with his pastor, Pastor James Cordell. James, obviously, James knew exactly what was going on. Blake knew what was going on. But he had never, you know, he had never dealt with it before. Mm -hmm. And so James called me back, you know, back on my little burner phone I had overseas and I waited for all my buddies to leave. And I put James on speakerphone and just let him walk. I, I, he said, just walk around this place you're in. I, I walked all around there. And he's praying in the name of Jesus, just like you did before we started this podcast. He's praying actually against this thing. Like, he's, he's not asking Jesus. He's like praying in the name of Jesus to this thing that, that is in this place which is a lot. I never heard that done before. And um, he said, now, now go get you a, a little, we had a little kitchen there. He said, go get you a little oil. And he said, we're going to just put some, a little bit of oil over your door there. And so we did that and um, total peace returned to that place, man, mm. for me and for my teammates. And <clears throat> I didn't know it at the time. I think what actually initiated this, this evil spirit, what, what, what angered it was one of my guys that I was with was a Christian and he had been reading his Bible, uh, every evening. And I, I have to think that that is what like brought this thing to the surface mm. initially. Um, but Total peace return to that place for me and everybody else. And I was like, after that, man, I said, okay, there is some power here. Like this, this is, this was real, not just for me, but for the guys that I was with. And we are, dude, we're hard dudes. I mean, we, we don't, we don't get scared of things that we know how to fight back against, mm. but we were scared of this thing because we didn't know what to do and it was beyond that, you that it was it was something beyond this realm that's right you know that's the thing man the the spiritual realm is is there the spiritual part of us is there whether you choose to acknowledge it or not we we can't even comprehend what's going on in that realm we can't comprehend the complexity and the the dynamics of it cuz we can't see it but uh, but it is there, man. I feel you like know, it woke you up. Seek, yeah, that's what woke me up, man. Like, and that was just the beginning of the journey, right? Like, yeah. 
That's pretty awesome. You know, I've heard a lot of your story, but I have not heard that part. And I'm so glad that you shared that, man. That's uh, that's the real deal. I've only had a handful, count them on one hand, encounters similar to that, that just wakes you up that to the reality of spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6. There's more going on than meets the eye. And here's a bunch of guys that are trained in the art of physical warfare but man, it is a totally different realm when you start dealing with that kind of thing. And I like what your pastor did. Um, it's not by us. It's not by our might, our power, how tough you are, how spiritual you are, man. You go right to the source. Jesus, you have the power. You come in here. You take over. There's nothing, no other name you can name above that, man. That's the truth, brother. Thank you, man. And and that's how I live my life now. I mean, I'll just give you just just this past about two weeks ago, man, I got the flu. And it put me down hard, dude. Was and, it the uh, Rona or the flu? No, I got the flu. Oh, boy. I got the flu. And, and the, I already had coronavirus a year ago. Let me tell you what, this flu... Well, this was the worst thing I've ever, this is the worst virus I ever had in my life. I'm talking about, dude, I'm fit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I run hundreds of miles. Yeah. This thing put me on the couch. Like, I think I saw that picture of you were on a sidewalk and you were, had a fever. And I'm thinking, what in the world are you doing out in the sun? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> it was It was brutal, man. But I had the flu. And then my wife, my wife started coming down with the flu and, um, and then she had a dang panic attack and here I am down hard. She's getting sick, about to be down hard. And then she had a panic attack and dude, you know what I did? I fell to my knees in the middle of my house. I told, I told my wife right then, I said, we're under attack. Mm. I've got to, I've got to pray against this. Yeah, and, I, and, and and you think I'm some crazy religious nut, man? But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there's crap going on that you don't understand is going on. And let me tell you, I am a warrior for Christ. All right, this Amen. I serve Christ. That is all. That's my only purpose in in my life. That's it. Mm. And so. This crap is all the time hitting me from all angles. Dude, I'll just fall out on my face in the middle of my house. Mm. And, I'll, and I'll pray directly against whatever might be opposing me. Whatever's trying to tear my family apart. Whatever's trying to tear my health apart. Uh, this is the way I treat life. And I learned that initially through that initial experience. Um, I, I think Christians have lost perspective on, on their ability to do that. They've lost faith in their ability to pray out against these spiritual forces of wickedness. Some of them know nothing about that, and they may roll their eyes at what you're talking about because they're not engaged in any kind of the battle, so you're not going to get the resistance. The moment I started engaging in evangelism to a new level where I was traveling, speaking, sharing the gospel like I never had before, seeing people come to Christ— I started doing the podcasts for men to make a difference in the lives of Christian men to get them to step up, man up. All hell was breaking loose. I would see weird things happening in my family that weren't happening, more conflicts in my marriage. I started uh, getting more and more sick. I came down with Lyme disease really bad. And I'm not saying that there aren't 
things going on that a tick didn't bite me, a demon. I'm not saying a demon gave me Lyme disease, but it was interesting to me how much the furnace got heated up, man. It got really hard. And I see the way that God is using you and your platform and your megaphone is getting bigger, man. And I'm glad I'm excited for you, but there's no way that that's going to happen. And you're going to be able to throw down the way you're throwing down spiritually and saying the things that you're saying, unfiltered, uncensored. Here's the truth. Here's what I'm taking a stand on. Even stuff with our country, I hear you doing and you not be resisted, man. I believe that. And you made a great point there too. Um, you made a great point, Jason, because, uh, I, I do – me and my wife just had this conversation last night because she's working through her her battle with anxiety, which I think has a spiritual aspect to it. Mm. And um, and we're talking about it. And, you know, she asked me the question, like, you know, there, I know this isn't that that bad. You know, there's Christians all over the world that, that are struggling with cancer, that lose loved ones, that are stricken with grief, and, and a, bad things happen to Christian people. And, and I was like, yeah, you, you know, you're, you're exactly right. And I think there are three reasons why bad things happen to us as children of Christ. And you, you made that delineation that not everything that happens to you in life is some spiritual attack. You're exactly right. I, uh, here's the thing. We, as Christians, are subject to... Uh, a fallen world, right? We we have to live in a fallen world, and we are members of a fallen race. That's right. Uh, a fallen creation. Everything that we see and who we are is not how it was. Is not what it was created to be. And so we are subject to things in life, such as sickness, uh, emotional pain. Uh, anxiety. We're subject to all these things because we are living in a fallen world. That's okay? right. Even as children of God. So those things are going to ha- happen to you. You might, you might come down with cancer and suffer and die. That's right. It's just part of being a part of a fallen world. That's right. Okay. The other reason things might bad might happen to you is because of a direct spiritual attack. Okay. That's the other reason. The third reason bad things might happen to a Christian man or woman is Jesus Christ might call you to do something that is uncomfortable mm. and and it might not feel good to you okay as a matter of fact i would go as far as to say Jesus Christ is never going to call any one of his children to do something comfortable mm. He's never going to call you to do something that just feels good. Mm. He is, he's not going to call you to do that. <laughs> That's so good. Because that could be the worst possible thing that, that, that he could do for you. That's right. When Jesus Christ calls you to do something that stresses you out, that gives you anxiety, that makes you uncomfortable physically or mentally or, emotion, or emotionally, um, when, when he he's going to call you into that role specifically so that you are constantly pointed back to your need for him. Mm. Because if he calls you to do something comfortable, he knows what you're going to do. You stupid human. Yeah. You are going to start 
Uh, you're just going to get complacent. You're going to start relying on your own ability. Your faith is going to be put into your own ability. Oh, you, to get maintain you get that lazy. Level of comfort. You get lazy spiritually, man. Cause that's uh, exactly right. One of the things God's been hitting me with is I was reading through the old Testament again. And it seems like every time the children of Israel got, it doesn't seem like it, it is this way. Every time they got problems, they're in bondage. Life sucks, man. They're crying out to God. They're getting real spiritual. They're focused on him. Rescue us, deliver us. Oh God. And God comes and rescues them. And after he rescues them and they go into a time of comfort where God's providing, we're free. They can do what they want to do. Life's going good. They go right back to their old idols, their old ways. They get lax. They're not focused on God. They kind of just want a little bit of God, but they don't want to be devoted unto God. And I see it every time, man. And so I also like what you said. I like that you said Jesus will never call you to something comfortable, and that's biblical. I mean, the way that Christ said it was pick up your cross and come and follow, and yet it's it's difficult. It is, it's a hardship that we bear, but you're bearing this thing, and one thing God's teaching me is it's the best place to be. It's the safest place to be because you're in his will, and there's also an inner peace in this, this thing in you that's like, I know this is hard. I know this sucks. But this is it right here. And I can sense his presence like I've never sensed it before. Because you know you're in the will of God. I would rather be there than in comfort outwardly, materialistically, and know deep in my heart I'm a divided man. And my God that I'm going to stand before one day, he's not happy with me right now. He's Mm -hmm. disappointed. And to know that he's going, if you keep this up, I'm going to bring chastening. That's another thing we don't hear in churches or in people saying too much is that God will chasten his children. He's going to bring some of these hardships because you're being a knucklehead. You're not listening. And that's where you got to have these spiritual eyes and go, okay, this could be just the natural. I live in a fallen world. Life sucks. But is this saying something to me from God? Like, wake up because you're not right. And there's many times in my life, I'm like, I know what you're saying. I, I got things to purge right now and get out. So, hey, I wanted to mention to you, though, uh, if you don't mind, what's your wife's name? Because I know these brothers listening right now will lift her up in prayer I with appreciate that, what brother. she's dealing yeah. with with anxiety, man. Yeah, her name is Brooke. Her name is Brooke. And, and uh, Brooke, my wife, she doesn't mind me sharing. She is a recovering addict. And, uh, you know, that's another part of my testimony. Shortly after I got saved, I showed, I uh, finished out that deployment. I came back home with this new uh, fervor for life and just this, well, for, for the first time, actually being alive, right? I, I mean, yeah. I, was, I was saved. I was redeemed. I had been reconciled back to the source of life itself. Uh, that being God, and I show back up to my house, and my wife is literally dying mm. from addiction to uh, pills. Mm. She would be in that. She would be in the bed for three days straight in a coma, mm. and I'm just, I'm just hoping she's gonna wake up. And um, and like, 
I didn't there's if, if any of you guys have ever dealt with addicts, you understand that there is nothing that you can do or say to to get them to change their mind. It's the most helpless I've ever felt as a man in my life. Yeah. Um I so know there I, I know there's a brother listening right now in particular <clears throat> that his wife is going through a similar addiction to prescription uh pills and they're going through a really really tough time man i mean it's beyond words what's going on and uh we're gonna lift, we're gonna lift brooke up man and be praying for her for sure man because i know anxiety i know panic attacks and it's miserable man you people treat you sometimes like you just need to turn the switch off stop doing that stop being worried and well, geez, if that was if it was that easy, man, you know, you'd, <laughs> we wouldn't have all these books on anxiety and people going to counselors and people being prescribed so much medication for it, man. It's it, it's very difficult to work through it, man. There, there's a spiritual component to, to addiction and to anxiety. You you can't convince me otherwise. Uh, I believe and, that. You know that that's the. When, when I came home, man, I just would just, I would literally every night I would march circles around my house using this new tool called prayer and praying out <laughs> against this addiction. I would pray over the, the, I would pray over her place where she slept in bed at night before she, before she got, you know, went to bed at whatever hour that was. And, um, and I was just, that was what I did for, for about eight months straight. When I got home from that deployment and like, like that's an endurance event right there, man, because you're praying and you're not seeing the results and you're, you're not, you're not seeing any change. And uh, one day we went out, we went out to walk on the beach because we live right there on the beach in in Virginia beach. And um, she just came up to me for no apparent reason and said, I want to, I want, I want to be clean. I want to get clean. Mm. And she started that process. She's been clean now for about seven years, I guess, six or seven years. That's awesome. Uh, now, does she yeah. do any of the PT stuff with you guys when you're doing uh, uh, things? I hear you in the pool. I hear you guys doing things like out on the trail, man, with just running miles, man. Tell us like about that. She involved with that? Yeah, her fitness was a big part of her recovery. Um and I remember the first time I took her out on a run after she got clean, uh, she looked at me and she said, she, she, we're out on a beautiful trail doing a run. And she said, uh, is this life? Is this what life really is? It was the first time she had experienced life in over a decade sober. And I said, yeah, this is life. Mm. You got to find enjoyment. You got to see the beauty of creation and you got to find enjoyment in the little things in life. And, um, so she started running with me and, and now it, it, even to this day, fitness is a huge part of, I think, uh, her controlling her, you know, doing everything she can to combat this anxiety. Um, and, and even to stay clean, man, it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's so hard to understand how, interconnected our body soul and our spirit is so our body physical body our mind will and emotions and then our spirit um it's almost like trying to understand the the god the father 
Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and how those three things are actually one thing, yeah. but they're three different things. Well, we were created using that same design as a body, soul, and spirit. Um, so that physical activity is a big part of her life and also a huge, huge part of my life. That's good, man. Yeah. I, I, there's so much you're saying there that's spot on, dude. There, I see sometimes with counseling that people are trying to really deal with the symptoms rather than the root problems. And they also neglect when they're trying to deal with the root that there is that spiritual element, man. And, um, you, you can't be overlooked, man. A good biblical counselor, a solid one, is definitely going to go there. You have to, man. I mean, that's who we are. Hey, guys, I want to take a quick break from the show and tell you to hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening to The Grizz Podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, SoundCloud, or wherever, and leave us a quick rating and review. Do it right now. It'll take you 30 seconds, and it will help us gain more exposure. This is our fifth season of The Grizz Podcast, and we have more killer interviews coming up for 2022 that will help you grow wiser and stronger as a Christian man. You don't want to miss any of them. So hit that subscribe button and also leave us that rating and review to help our ministry gain more exposure to impact more Christian men around the world. Now let's get back to my interview with the man who pulls no punches, Chad Wright. I was thinking about your time when you you go to be in the SEALs to finally get that contract that doesn't mean you are one, but you're going to get to go to training, and you start getting your hopes up about that. You get super excited. You're like, this is my goal. This is what I'm going to do. The hometown boys are kind of laughing at you, and you're on your way, man, and you're serious about it, but then you are hit with an incredible obstacle out of nowhere that you decided I'm still not going to let this stop me. Yeah, that's a big part of my story. The last day of boot camp, I was actually pulled out of formation and, and sent over to the medical office. Um, before you go to SEAL training, you have to go through Navy boot camp. So that's what I was doing there. Uh, and I walked into the medical office and the doctor proceeded to tell me that I had a seven centimeter pericardial cyst on my heart. Um uh, pericardial cyst is rare. It was the first time they had ever seen that condition <clears throat> in a Naval Special Warfare candidate. Uh, the interesting thing about my pericardial cyst, although it was seven centimeters, it was completely asymptomatic, which means it didn't affect my ability to run, swim, do push-ups, pull-ups, whatever. I, I'd had it my whole life, never knew it was there until they found it on that chest x-ray um, during my dive physical. The doctor was worried that when I dove underwater, as a combat diver, if I made it through SEAL training, that the pressure change underwater would burst the cyst on my heart. Okay. Uh, and that was the only concern. Uh, so essentially, there was no recourse for this. This There was no surgical recourse for this cyst because uh, it was a risky surgery on a rare condition. And the Navy said, we're not going to we're not going to perform surgery. Essentially, your only option is to go out to the regular Navy where you're not going to have to dive. Okay. And um, 
that was the only option they gave me. And I said, well, you know, this is a breach of contract. <laughs> I had set my goal to go to the SEAL training, and I ended up getting out of the Navy completely. Um, I got out of the Navy, went back home, went through a, a short period of depression, uh, you know, because everybody, when I showed back up at home, everybody just thought I had quit. Mm. And here I was back in my little town in North Georgia. Um, once I got my bearings about me, got back on my feet. I, I think I had, when I showed back up, when I showed up back home, I think I had $800 to my name and one pair of clothes. Mm. That's all I had. And luckily my family took me back in and um, my dad let me borrow his truck and, and all this stuff. But I'm just telling you where I was at. Mm. And uh, I started making appointments with heart surgeons in Atlanta. And I went to four or I think four appointments in uh, every surgeon I would go to basically told me the same thing. The Navy doc told me this is not the risk. The risk is not worth the reward essentially to do this surgery. Because it wasn't, it wasn't life threatening, right? No, it, the, the surgery was life threatening, but the oh. condition the condition was completely asymptomatic. Gotcha. Um, and so uh, I finally found a surgeon that was actually a army reservist. He had been a surgeon overseas in battle. Uh, so he was a patriot and uh, he understood that I wanted to go be a SEAL. Like he understood it on another level that these other, you know, cardiologists and heart surgeons couldn't, they couldn't grasp it. And um, he said, yeah, man, uh, you know, I'll do this surgery for you. He, he was the lead, actually the leading heart surgeon here in Atlanta. And um, he had never done the surgery before. He had never <laughs> seen a pericardial cyst before. That's how rare it was. Wow. And um, so I was like, well, you know, what are we going to do? And he was like, well, we're just going to, I'm just going to have to split your chest open and go in there and see what it looks like. And we'll figure it out when we get in there. Uh, you know, I'll have a general plan, but we got to see what this thing's all about. And um, so I remember getting up in the morning, uh, getting in the vehicle at five 30 with my dad driving up to the hospital. And I had, that is when I had my, my biggest moment of doubt because stuff was getting real. I was about to go lay voluntarily lay on a hospital bed and get my chest split open. And I said, dad, do you think I could do this? Do you think I should really do this? And he said, son, if you want to be a seal, you have no choice. Mm. And that was a big lesson for me because you guys listen to this. You're going to, you're going to have moments in your life where your only option, if you want to proceed is to take quitting completely off the table. Right. That's going to be your only option is to take quitting off the table. Do what you need to do. Uh, you may only have one path forward. And if it's worth that much to you, you're going to have to take that path, even if it requires some risk and discomfort. Um, you're going to have to take that path. And so that's what's you know, that's where most people stop. They're not willing to do that. Um, but I wanted it bad enough. This was my entire dream in life. I had nothing else, man. I didn't play sports. I hated school. I didn't have anything else in life. And, um, you know, not, not that that matters, but this was my dream. This is what I invested everything into was going to do this one thing. 
And I went, surgery was successful. And to make a long story short, I was back in the Navy less than a year after that heart surgery, mm. standing before the same doctor that disqualified me. And I'll never forget walking in his office. And he looked at me like, what the crap are you doing back here, Chad? And of course, I had my paperwork um, from my civilian surgeon. By the way, I had no health insurance. <clears throat> I thought I was going to have to pay for this heart surgery on my own dime. The, the surgeon, Dr. Cooper, performed the surgery for free. He never sent, he never oh, sent a bill. Um, yeah, so that was a huge blessing. Uh, I still had to pay my hospital bill. But, um, but yeah, got back in the Navy. And, you know, I made it all the way through SEAL training. I was, I was one of 13. We started out with over 300 men in Bud's class 278, and only 13 of us graduated. And mm. I never, I was never rolled. I never failed a single evolution. I'm not saying SEAL training was easy. SEAL training was, was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But, um, but I made it through SEAL training because of what I had to endure with that heart surgery. Mm. I can honestly say that if I would have went to SEAL training the first time, I can honestly say after having a, the perspective of how difficult it is, I would not have made it. Wow. Um, it's almost like know, God was preparing you with that. Something that seems to be like, why are you allowing this in my life? You ruined my dreams, whatever. And now you see God's like, if I wouldn't have put that in your life, you wouldn't have been able to fulfill the dream. Exactly, man. And, and I didn't know God at the time and, and what wasn't seeking him. And that's another thing that's interesting. Uh, uh, you know, uh, however you believe about um, how, how God interacts with us. I know there's things in scripture that you can look at and talk that talk about God's elect or God's chosen people or, mm -hmm. or um, however you perceive predestination. Uh, I, I think there's a big dynamic there. You could do a whole podcast on that. But God was literally caring for me and leading me along the path that I needed to take in order to become the man who I am today. Me being a seal had nothing to do with me being a seal. Me being a seal had to do with me being who I am today mm. while I'm serving Christ, right? Yep. And, and although, although I paid him no mind and gave him no creed. I, I, I had no allegiance to him back then. He was still faithful to take me through the steps that I needed to take to become who he created me to be today mm. while I'm serving him. And, um, you know, there's this strange dynamic in life. I don't know if you guys have noticed it yet, but growth in life spiritual growth, mental growth, or physical growth only comes through tension. Mm. It's the only way that you cannot grow physically, mentally, or spiritually unless there is tension. That's good. And I've come to recognize that. And, and, and it's so true. Even in, even in my business right now, I'm experiencing a lot of tension in business right now i've had to make some really hard decisions that affect other that affect people other than me mm. but those decisions are are causing growth but they're very very 
stressful, tense situations, the, the conversations I'm having to have, the 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 um, the things that I'm having to do, it's it's a lot of freaking tension, man. So I want y'all to keep that in mind. And going back to the SEAL training story, that tension of that surgery and that that difficulty I experienced there was my biggest advantage in SEAL training. Um, and and is I think essentially one of the foundational things, one of the foundational things that allowed me to to get through that, man. That's awesome, man. God works all things together for good. And uh, you were saying at that time you weren't even one of God's children yet, but with God knowing all things and choosing you before the foundation of the world, it was all just set up, man. God's just prepping, planning. I am making a man. I'm, and I love what you said. He's like, I'm not making a Navy SEAL. That's just part of the pudding. I'm making a man to be Christ-like and make an impact on this world. Yeah, man. Yeah, don't get too wrapped around the axle on that Navy SEAL stuff, guys, because, uh, I mean, I couldn't put it any better than than Jason. Um, like you said, man, it's just part of the, it's just part of the, the pudding. I'm not a bad dude because I'm a Navy SEAL. I'm a bad dude today because I know the creator of the universe and, and I serve him. And um, the, the only thing that drives me in life is, is serving Jesus, ministry, whatever you want to call it. Uh, in business, you know, today, um, I would burn out so quick if I was doing some, some purely tactical training for people or if I was doing some uh, so, you know, what, whatever, if there is not a ministry aspect involved in what I do, I, I learned real quick, I will burn out Yeah, like very, very fast. So this is the only thing that drives me, yeah. um, in my life today. It's an inexhaustible source and, and you're never finished. No. And it comes through, man, even from your podcast to what I hear you doing with the three of seven project and people that are coming out of that, that you're trying to do kingdom business. We've got to do worldly business. We, we, we both have companies. We both have, you know, organizations. Yes. And we got to take care of that. But man, if it's not part of the bigger picture for you, for me, for so many, I'm like, man, it's just not, it, it doesn't scratch that itch then. It doesn't do it for me. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is with when you're in the midst of something like SEAL training and we all have seen the videos and we've read the books about the guys are just like, I've had it and they're going to ring the bell. They're going to tap out. And even with what you're doing with ultra marathon, you know, running, you're running what over a hundred miles in these races through the woods. Well, yeah, well over a hundred miles. Yes. Yeah, I, I just start getting competitive right around a hundred miles. There are moments with seal training with something like ultra marathon running that you're like, I can't do this. I'm done. I'm spent and I'm ready to go ring that bell. Tell us about those moments in Chad's life, maybe in SEAL training or even some of these races. And what are the things that just in your head that you you know, this is what I've got to do to break through those moments? Because guys may not be in SEAL training or ultra marathon running. Right now, it could be, 
I'm about to ring the bell because I'm done with this marriage. I'm about to ring the bell right now. I'm done with this church I'm pastoring. I'm about to ring the bell right now because I've had it with this 16-year-old daughter that disrespects me, takes me for granted, is in my face. Talk to us. Yeah. You know, that they're the number one reason that people quit. Any, any of those things you just named, the number one reason people quit SEAL training is uh, they got they 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 become overwhelmed by the big picture. Um, and if you went back, I told you we had thirteen graduate out of three hundred. If you went back and interviewed every one of those other two hundred and eighty some odd guys that quit Bud's class two seven eight, every single one of them could tell you of a distinct moment where. All they could think about was what was ahead of them. And all they could think was there's no way that I can do this for six more months or, or another year, right? That, that There's no way. Every last one of them could tell you that distinct moment. And I guarantee you, you guys listening that, that ha have made the decision to quit a business or have uh, went through a divorce or, or you, um, you've quit something in your life, if you go back and you're honest with yourself, you'll be able to pull that moment out in your own life of where you said, I just can't keep this up um, for the rest of my life, or I can't keep this up for another year. And, you know, I think my biggest, the biggest advantage I have uh, in, from a mindset perspective is the ability to pull back in to pull my perspective back in and focus on what I have to do in the moment in order to stay in the fight. That's what I was going to say is the moment. Look at right now. Stop looking yep. 10 miles ahead. And the harder things get, the smaller you have to break it down, right? So the small the smaller your your view has to be, at, the harder it gets. So in SEAL training, you know, there are some days where I would wake up and my, my goal would be to make it to breakfast. I mean, I was in a fight in SEAL training. I was in a fight every single day. So I never had a goal that extended beyond breakfast. Every morning, that was all I wanted to do was make it to breakfast. Now, some mornings you will wake up, some mornings they would bust up in the dang barracks at, at four o'clock in the morning, and you would be, in, within 30 seconds, you would be laying butt naked in the surf zone being surf tortured uh, right there in the Pacific Ocean. You know, a morning like that, I might have to be thinking, what can I do to make it 10 more seconds? Wow. I, I know I can make it 10 more seconds. I can do anything for 10 more seconds mm. and you just keep breaking that thing down, man. And before you know it, before you know it, it's, it's time to go to breakfast and you get a little reprieve, man. And that hands down is the number one reason that people quit. And, and this takes conscious effort, guys. Uh, this takes conscious effort. You, you've got to, when you see your, when you, recognize your mind drifting and dwelling upon things that are that are too far ahead uh those things are actually probably even out of your control 
And, and your perspective on those things way out ahead of you are, it, your perspective is imaginary. Mm. You're, you're just projecting what you think is going to happen in the future. Yeah, what if, uh, you what if thinking? You yeah, you don't know what's coming. That's so right. so you're, wasting, you're wasting time and energy in the first place, and you're, you're going to become overwhelmed. When you recognize that happening, you have to make the conscious decision to say, nope. I'm going to reel myself in and I'm going to be where my feet are. I'm going to do what I need to do in this moment to stay in the fight. Right. It's the same with ultra running, man. It's the same with ultra running. I, I mean, in a, in a, in a uh, the last race I won, I ran 38 hours straight. Mm. <clears throat> um, it was a last man standing race and <clears throat> I've won that race two years in a row. I don't know why people keep showing up to try to beat me. <laughs> but you essentially run a one mile. Don't make loop. me come down there. Come on, brother. Come on. <laughs> I'll man. be on a mountain bike, but that's hard. <laughs> I heard that. But you run a one mile loop until only one person is left. And and some of the best ultra runners, or the best ultra runners in the nation come from all over the country to show up here and run this one mile loop until only one person's left. Mm. Uh, and I can't, you, here I am competing in something just like life a lot of times, I don't know when it's going to end. I don't, I can't see the finish line. I don't, nobody knows when it's going to end. Right. And I can't tell you how many times in that race, my mind would want to drift ahead. Right. And and think about dad gone. How much longer is this race going to go on? Mm. I, even I, I mean, and I'm a professional. I've done this thousands of times. Even I have to reel my mind back in. Um, at that race, actually, it got down when it got down to me and one other guy, uh, Greg Armstrong. The first year I won, it was just the two of us. And Greg, Greg runs for the American National Ultra Running Team, so he's like an Olympic level ultra runner. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't think I could beat this dude just because uh, you know he's that good. It didn't matter to me. I was going to keep going until I broke my body or I did eventually beat him. Um, But I didn't think I could beat him until one distinct moment. And it was in between one of those one mile loops. Greg came up to me and he said, he said, Chad, we got six hours till we reach a hundred miles. And I just smiled at him because I knew he had broke one of those cardinal rules of, Mm. of staying in the fight. In that moment, I, I got a little I got a little picture uh, of where Greg's mind was. Greg was thinking about six hours ahead. He was thinking about the hundred mile mark, and I just smiled at him because I knew in that moment, unless unless something catastrophic happened, there was no way he was going to be able to beat me. Because guess what I was thinking about the next the the mile that I had to run to stay in the fight. That was Man, it. That's guys. That right there is gold. That's good stuff, man. And it applies it to works, so many man. things. It, yeah. It works. And I, I will give you another tip along the way. Something that is a, an extremely powerful force that is influencing your reality, your trajectory, your ability is your tongue, the words that you speak. Mm. All right. This is this is biblical. Now like you like your mental it, self-talk you're talking about? No, uh, self-talk is what's going on in your head, right? All right. So we, we, we do have to control, we do have to control that to a certain point. 
okay? Um, how do we improve our self-talk? We, we have to become hyper aware of the input. Like, what are you allowing in? What are you allowing in? It's like, um, what I mean, everybody likes Joe Rogan. If you listen to podcasts, you've heard of Joe Rogan. I personally don't listen to Joe Rogan. It's not because Joe Rogan is a, he's the best podcaster in the world, right? But there are things that he, that he says, there are words that he uses, there, there are, are guests that he has on that I don't need, I don't need to let those things into my head. Gotcha. Okay. Like I, I'm hyper, hyper aware of the input. And that to me is how you clean up your self-talk. Now, no matter how aware you are of your self-talk, you are going to have negative thoughts about yourself, about the situation you're in. Again, that's part of human nature. That's going to happen. Now, the interesting thing is the spoken word, your tongue, it all is, is more powerful than what's going on in your head. Okay. Um, and SEAL training, I had a buddy, his name was Tubbs. He was my best friend from South Georgia. Uh, and Tubbs, we actually had Tubbs on our podcast. And Tubbs got to a point in SEAL training where he was having those negative thoughts about himself. He, he essentially um, no longer believed in himself. He didn't believe he had what it took to stay in training. And he had been having this negative self-talk going on for probably two weeks. But he never said anything about it. He never said a word about it. He just kept it all in his head. And he was able to progress through training day after day after day. Um, because that self-talk that was going, it was all a lie. He, he had what it took to, to be there. He was more physically fit than I was. And um, until one morning, we were getting ready for a two-mile ocean swim. I remember we were pulling our wetsuits on. It was about 4 a.m. out back behind the barracks. And Tubbs walked up to me, and all he did was say what he had been thinking. He said, Chad, I, I don't think I'm good enough to, to be here, man. I don't think I'm good enough to make it through this training anymore. That's all he did. Before he got to the ocean, he rang the bell. Mm. He rang the That's how powerful your words are. Now, you want to take this to the next level. When you start having those negative thoughts, you have to do the opposite of what Tubbs did. You got to counterpunch your negative self-talk with the spoken word, a positive spoken word. Mm -hmm. What what does Christ say about who you are? Who are you really? That's right. You you, you don't even know what you're capable of, man. Yeah. Um, and and you have got to have the courage to speak that out loud, uh, because. Or well, what if somebody that, says, well, but I don't feel that it's true even when I'm saying it. I hear so that. So what? There you go. So what? Get that, that's, that's why I said it takes courage. And maybe you have to be a little crazy too. I don't have a problem with this. It's this little stupid thing that I'm telling you right here. This is why nobody can beat me. Because I can't tell you how many times out on the race course I hear somebody talking about, Oh, I've got the terrible, I've got the worst blister on my heel. Or, oh man, well, we're we're halfway. We're half. We do you understand when I hear somebody in a hundred mile race or a last man standing race say something like we're halfway? Do you understand? That's a red flag. Mm. You're an amateur. 
Who freaking cares if you're halfway, man? Who mm. freaking look? The difference between being good and being the best in the world is these silly little things that I'm telling you right here, right now. Mm. It's no, there's no big formula. There's no secret. There's no shortcut. There, there's, it, it's these silly little things. It's just a little bit, man. And people just can't do this. And it frustrates the ever living crap out of me. Like, do you think when I'm running, when I'm, when I'm running on, on the mid-state mile, I took a fall at about hour 35, been running for 35 straight hours. When I fell, <clears throat> I hit the top of my foot on a rock and I exploded a quarter size deep blister on the top of my pinky toe. It literally felt like somebody cut my toe off. I couldn't do nothing about that. It was just a blister, but it hurt so bad. I almost wanted to cry. I pulled into my, I pulled into the pit stop where my crew was. My crew said, dang, I saw the mud smeared up and down my leg. They said, um, man, I see you fell. Are you all right? Did anything, did you hurt anything? I looked at these cats. And I said, I feel outstanding, dude. I feel <laughs> outstanding. Like every bone in my body felt like it was about to break. I yeah. just exploded a massive blister on my toe. And I sitting here telling these people, I feel outstanding. Do you think I do you think I felt outstanding? Mm. Heck no. But I had the courage and the discipline to say that. Mm. And that impacted the outcome and the trajectory of what I was able to do that day. I love it. Let's wrap up. Tell these guys what you're doing with three of seven project and help them understand why it may be a good idea for them to get down to North Georgia and be part of what you're doing. Well, I appreciate that, bro. That means a lot to me. Um, the last four years or the last three years of my career in the SEAL teams, I was a master training specialist. I was a SEAL instructor. Um, I didn't train students. I trained real seals to get ready to go down range uh so uh, you know it was my job to to plan and conduct very complex uh training missions for these guys to prepare them to go overseas and to go to war and that is where i found my i, I really found my passion and my love for teaching uh and instructing um so that essentially is the foundation of what 307 project is the three stands for body soul spirit Seven is the biblical number for completion. So what I have been able to do now is uh, design uh, training missions, real legitimate training missions uh, that are going to, to help develop your physical body, your emotions, your mind, and also your spirit, your connection with God. That's the objective of all the training that I run. Um, and so our, our next mission coming up is called the Proving Grounds. And that's here in North Georgia. That'll be in April. It's on our website, 307project.com. If you want to sign up for that, I'd love to see you there. Um, and uh, we, we run missions in the backcountry called the Basic Course. Um, that's another mission that I run. And then uh, it, once you graduate, uh, both those courses, we run uh, two advanced missions per year. Uh, one is in a high alpine environment, and the other one is uh, this year will be a eight-day-long uh, unsupported kayak uh, down the largest river 
uh, on the East Coast from the headwaters all the way out to the ocean. Mm. Um, so that'll be one of the advanced missions I'm running this year. Now, so, could it be something where if there's a group of five guys that are all in on this, can they apply as a team that wants to come together? <laughs> they could. Uh, they could come to. They could come to the proving grounds together. Okay. Um, but caveat: I would probably split you guys up uh, because here's what here's what happens in training. That's a great question, by the way. And so I don't train corporate teams. I don't train. Uh, I, I, I just, here's the thing. If you come, if you come to train, what's going to happen is if you're there with your buddy, when stuff gets real freaking hard, you're going to, you're, you're, you're going to rely on your preformed relationships or your, your, you're going to, you're looking at this guy that you have a relationship with. You have preconceived notions about who he is and what his capabilities are. And, and you're essentially it's it's a, at some point you are going to cheat him out of his opportunity to get real uncomfortable. Mm. Right. To get to, to just get real uncomfortable. Um, I, I love throwing a team together. Uh, we have people all the time show up to the proven grounds of the basic course that have prior relationships. Well, what I'm I hearing love- already is they're by coming with that group of five to a degree, you're coming with a comfort zone and you are going That's to, exactly right. you're going to strip them of that comfort zone because you can't get from them what you want to get from them. If they stay in that, that's what you I'm hearing. You just said it way better than I could. Man. Okay, I got so you. If, if there's a group of five, you guys want to come out of the proving grounds, dude, y'all come on and 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 I'm going to – but now just understand, I'm probably going to intentionally split you up just because I care so much about the training that that we put on. It's uh, it's my it's my mission in life. And, and, you know, I don't have any virtual online training courses or anything – because I like to spend time with people in mm. small groups, mm. small groups. I don't run any big, you know, a hundred people. My stuff, the proven grounds is limited to 24 students. The basic course is limited to eight students per team. Um, so very small groups because that is where I'm used to working in small teams. That's what was, that's what made a SEAL team so efficient is it was a small team of highly trained uh, operators, yeah. surgeons, like I want to create operators, uh, for Christ, man. So that's what pays the bills. And then we have obviously a podcast, the three of seven podcast. I think we've got, I think I released, uh, the, uh, episode 180 yesterday. So we got about 180 episodes on there. Um, that's you all well, you're putting listen, out about two a week, aren't you? Yeah. Two a week. Um, that's what we, we try to maintain that. Uh, and then along with the podcast, we have Patreon, um, which is where people can come and, and uh, contribute to the podcast. And on Patreon, we do a really cool thing. It's the only thing I do virtually, uh, live virtually, is a program we do called Resurrected. And uh, essentially, it's, uh, it's a Zoom call, three Sundays per month, Sunday night at um, 7 p.m., uh, we do the call at seven or eight. It may be eight, but you get the you get the Zoom invite. You know, uh, a couple of days ahead of time, we get on there, and it is a uh, it's a Bible based podcast essentially. 
And it's all about resurrecting the body of Christ. And because it's live, we're able to present a message or we're able to, to bring up a topic. And then we have conversation. Um, and usually on those calls, we got 50 or 60 people and uh, coming from all different backgrounds and, and, and walks. And, 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 uh, and, and it's just a really powerful thing that we get to do. So I love that. So guys can listen to three or seven podcasts. He's dropping about two episodes per week. I listen every week, guys. This is one of about probably four podcasts that I listen to every week. And then there's other podcasts I poke in every now and then if they got a good guest, like I'll, I'll listen to Joe Rogan when he interviews guys like Dr. Malone and Dr. Peter McCullough on all this COVID bull crap going on. And, uh, but he's got that Chad's got that. But then if you are a donor to the Patreon account, if you give and just say, Hey, this podcast is a blessing. I want to get back on Patreon. Then he's got this resurrection thing that you can be part of and it's live and they're getting in the word together. And I think that's a great thing to be part of. And I'm excited to promote that Chad. And I'm not just going to put, I'm going to put links on all this in the show notes, but I'm going to go a step further because I've been following you for about a year now and getting a good feel on where your head and your heart is. But I want on my website, I'm going to make sure that we are putting the logo for a three of seven project on there as an advertisement for people to uh, click on that. They would see this is a, a organization that we partner with. We feel good about, and we want them to click on this and get involved in this. I'll be honored, man. I will be honored, man. And that's, that's the way this has to work. You know, we, we have to be mutually supporting elements within the body of Christ um, uh, because, it, you know, it, it feels like, well, I think, I think the body of Christ, you can argue this, but it's, it feels to me like we're losing ground. Um, and, and I don't think all this is over, man. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it, do not get apathetic as a, as a, as a man of God, like don't look at, don't read scripture and say, well, this is what scripture tells me about the closing of the age. And I see it playing out before. Oh, me. I know what so, you're saying. Cause I see yeah. guys doing that. And I'm like, do you know how many Christians could have done that? during world war two with what Hitler was doing, this is the end. He's definitely the antichrist, yeah. man. We just need to pray for Jesus to come. You don't know if this is the end. And if it is the end, then I'm going to play my best game in the fourth quarter. Hey man, brother. That's, I, but I think that's why we're losing ground in current culture is it's not because it's not because, um, you know, men are falling away from Christ. I mean, I still think there's a large percentage of men that know Christ and love Christ and 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 have that relationship with him. But I think it's the the apathy um, that that they're feeling. And by apathy, I mean just just thinking, well, this is over, so there's nothing that I can do. Yeah, and uh, I especially but, hear that with America that they are almost like we're done. We've lost the republic. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, what if we haven't? What if this is a testing time? What if we continue to be the loud voices and the resistance and we continue to fight and stand ground and we're willing to even take things to the Supreme Court and do whatever it takes and we keep going? 
what if there is just this turnaround? And maybe there's not. Maybe this is the end of America in the next 50 years. But I would rather go down swinging for good and for the kingdom of God and for what this country was founded on than just to just throw up my hands and be like, well, that's exactly what biblical prophecy predicted. I'm not going to do that. Dude, you, you are preaching to the choir right now, and I think that's a this is an important part for men to grasp. Um, you know, the tactic of the enemy, uh, the tactic of one of the tactics of evil you see playing out before your eyes is, is to divide and conquer. It's a tactic as old as, as warfare itself. Um, and so that is also uh, what the enemy wants to do with us as the body of Christ. He wants to divide us because he knows that's the only way he can conquer us because we can't do anything if we're divided. And that's why I use the, 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 the tactic that we use in the SEAL teams. If you want to win a fight is you have to be mutually supporting elements, right? You have to support your brother in whatever his mission is. You got to support your sister in whatever mission uh, her mission is. And, and it's, there, there sh- it's, it's not competitive for, no. it shouldn't be competitive for us. We need to be mutually supporting. You know, if I'm traveling through, um, through a combat zone and I know the enemy's out there somewhere. Uh, I'm not, I I don't, I'm not competing against the guy that's up on the high ground. That's got overwatch for me as I move through the Valley. Like there's no competition there. It's pure support. It's pure trust. It's pure love. Uh, there's enough people there in that tactical situation. You know, uh, I'm not worried about who gets the most kills. If crap hits the fan, there's going to be enough for everybody. That's right. You know, that's the way. Yeah, and is, I'm hearing man. what you're saying, guys. What I'm trying to do here with uh, Narrow Trail Ministries, the Grizz Podcast, the Grizz Tribe, and we're going to keep doing it. I don't want to be the three of seven project because I can't do that the way that Chad does it and the way Chad's wired with his background. But I can support what three of seven project is doing because I know ultimately. Dude, we're trying to get the same ball across the same gold line for the kingdom of God. And that's why I do think that these ministries and organizations like 307 Project, and even you guys have heard me mention on the podcast, Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters in Andrews, North Carolina, there are certain organizations, ministries we're going to connect with because we're going to gain a lot more ground in this country and in the world if we start doing that and we help each other with our individual missions, which is all part of that whole bigger mission to advance God's kingdom, his glory, and also get the gospel out there and just change lives, man. I want to see a grassroots movement of just men, ordinary men, blue collar workers, whatever. And I'm not knocking you if you got the computer job, just you too. Just step up, man up, live the life God's calling you to. I know it's hard it's hard for all of us, but we got to go back to what Chad was saying earlier, man. I love that. Quit looking 10 miles ahead. No, man, right here, this moment. That's what we got to focus on, man. So we're going to. It's hard by design. It's hard by design. Mm. If what you're called to do is not hard, you better reassess and make sure you're on the right path. Well, it's like you it, said earlier. You said Jesus will never call you to something comfortable. That's it, man. So if it's comfortable, I'm a question if you're really following Jesus. (laughs) Amen to that, brother. I love it, man. I really hope to get to to, uh, 
to meet you and, and, and some of your inner circle at some point. Uh, you know, this conversation means a lot to me. Over the last few weeks, I've had uh, probably uh, 100 people reach out to me on Instagram, you know, asking, hey, where, where can we find the, the full version of, of your testimony, which I was able to share with you here today? It's awesome. And, you know, I don't, I don't put that out on, on my podcast because it's, it's hard to tell that story unless it's in, in this format where I'm the guest. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. Somebody and needs so, to be asking you the questions. Yeah, and so when when this comes out, man, let me know. Uh, let me know how I can and can can push it out on my channels um, because it's going to really fill. A, this conversation is going to fill a need uh, that my audience is asking for um, on on social media. I and, will. Uh, it just means a lot to me to be able to do it, man. Thank you so much. Tell the Grizz tribe if they want to connect with you on social media how they can do that, brother. Instagram is just Chad Wright two seven eight Chad Wright two seven eight. Uh, our website is uh, three of seven project.com. That's the number three of the number seven project.com. And uh, everything's connected right there. All right, guys, that's Chad right for you. And we are going to be praying for his wife, Brooke, with what she's uh, struggling through. We know in the name of Jesus, she is going to overcome, but let's Amen. really get her back and give her, just pray that God would give her supernatural peace and strength and just the wisdom and perspective on this thing uh, that goes beyond just normal human eyes. So, Chad, thank you again for being here. Thank you for taking a stand for Christ, for being manly. Thank you for what you're doing to try to make an impact in this jacked-up world. And uh, I love you, brother, and I do look forward to maybe in 2022 getting down there and observing firsthand what the 307 Project is doing. Appreciate you, brother. I love you too, man. Listening to the Grizz Podcast, an outreach of Narrow Trail Ministries Incorporated. If this podcast has been helping to guide, encourage, and equip you to live the manly life that God's calling you to live, then please consider partnering with us by giving a tax exempt donation to our nonprofit ministry. Your financial gift will help us continue to improve and expand our impact around the world. You can make your secure online donation at thegrizzpodcast.com. Now it's time to take what you've learned and chew on it. And then you need to step up, man up, and go live it out. Grizzin, you know what I'm saying.